Hey, hey, hey. It's another episode of The Random Show. I'm Brad. He's Matt. We're back. It's been three months, and uh, literally the entire world has changed since the last time we had a show, hasn't it, Matt? See what happens when we're not gracing the internet airwaves with our rhetoric. It all falls apart. What an uh, interesting few months. The last show is in the end of January. Um, so here we are, you know, three months and change later. This episode, like what, 24? Are we five? Counting? I don't think we're counting. Maybe not. Something 18? like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't even bother counting. So, so there, there's no preparation, ladies and gentlemen. There's no, you know, we tell a quick story, we say our hellos, and then we just dive right into it. So we, yep. we don't prepare for this. And here we are. So I'm on day, actually tomorrow will be day 50 of um, staying at home, mm-hmm. lockdown, if you will. How long mm-hmm. have you been, been at home? It's got to be roughly the same as you. I, I was doing like what everyone was doing. I was posting like, you know, day 21, you know, ran out of eggs today. Um, <laughs> yeah. Toast and butter. And that's all I have. You know, I was posting that stuff on Facebook, some fun quips here and there, but then uh, I just stopped. I'm just like to hell with this stuff. I don't have the energy to track it anymore. I was joking with my wife. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping track. And she's been posting, you know, probably once a week with like, you know, some updates of what we've been up to. And um, I'm like, we just need to start scratching this on the wall. Like I'm, I'm picturing like Castaway or something where you're just like day 50 and like just another notch on the wall, <laughs> living room wall. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, what's interesting is um, anyone that, that knows us and knows what we do, um, you know, we work from our homes normally, right? So that part is not is not the part that is off. It's the fact that, um, well, for me, the fact that my son is home full time now and he's four. So generally he's, he would be at preschool all day long and both my wife and I work out of the house. So, you know, having a four year old here, um, and also trying to work is, you know, took some time to get used to, I guess is the right way to say it. Um, yeah, that's the biggest challenge, obviously, with a lot of parents is now they're uh, now they do have their their children at home, but for the older children, man, now you have to you have to be like their their school teacher too. Oh yeah, I can't and imagine. I, I mean, you know, it's it's insane enough with me with three here, three under three, but it's just you know not. Uh, I don't have to have that extra complication. Oh, if, yeah. if I did, you wouldn't even see me this week <laughs> or ever. Right. I would literally delete everything and I wouldn't be doing a single thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I have a few friends that have older, older kids and they're, you know, they're in their teens and high school and, or maybe middle school. And yeah, exactly. These, especially the areas that the school systems that were not set up for e-learning and they're kind trying to scramble um, to figure out, it seems like some school systems had amazing e-learning systems already in place and they were utilizing them. So it really wasn't a big transition, but many did not. And so now they're kind of, you know, emailing out assignments and, you know, like tests and things they need to be doing. And like you said, meanwhile, the parents trying to juggle helping their kid progress with school and get the work done um, and also do, you know, work from home, do their job, um, which is also a new experience for many people working from home. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the most effective that, you know, in my mind, I think that the teenagers are probably going to be one of the most effective because you can't just skip half a semester of of learning um and then just go into the next year like nothing happened right you missed some important stuff there right and they need to understand you can't just skip 
half algebra and then expect just to go into like algebra two or something. Right. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's an amazing domino effect that this has on everything. Right. Uh, you know, from industries to, to, to jobs, to education, you know, to the planet, right. To the environment. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, the impact it has in areas unknown, uh, that, that we've seen. And, um, you know, it, it's obviously crazy, but it almost makes you think like <clears throat> just from like the environment impact or maybe like the mental health of some people, even though this is a super trying time because we're forced to do this. But can you imagine a, a world where all of humanity in the future just took literally a month off every year and it was yeah. just a thing? No driving, no going anywhere. Like yeah. it was just a thing that humanity I mean, did. It may not be, you know, a month might be excessive, but maybe like a weekend or <laughs> right. Well, after I mean, this, you know, no, you know, it might take some time to to get that across. But I, I that's uh, you know it's something I think we're all thinking about as you see these amazing pictures of like, you know, the L.A. skyline and you know the the, the smog is cleared and it's just beautiful landscapes that generally people don't get to see as clearly. Right, um, but there's yeah impact. there's. Yeah, there's that, but there, you know, you, you start to read some of the articles out there about, uh, you know, these, you know, these businesses that operate in a traditional way where it's in person, you know, they're spending ridiculous amounts of money on real estate, mm -hmm. to, you know, to pay for these offices. And all of a sudden it's like, well, we can't let these people work from home. That's not a thing we'd, we'd ever allow. And then they're forced to do it. And they're like, Hey, this thing ain't that bad. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be paying $30 million for this, for this damn office space anymore. It's like, no, you don't. And maybe that has a broader impact across many industries, prices, health, you know, mental health. I mean, it's just a lot of this stuff, good and bad, I guess. Again, mostly bad, but there are some good things here that are, are cropping up. I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I, I, I was listening to the news last night and they had a guy on um, and I can't remember his name but whatever. He had some good points. <laughs> and one of them was like how it kind of what we're in right now, you're seeing trends where like things are being accelerated, such as, you know, ordering, ordering groceries online. Like a lot of us do that, but it's generally the younger, more tech savvy, um, you know, generations, our generation and younger that are very comfortable with ordering things online, ordering groceries, ordering food, ordering whatever. Um, the older generation is not, but now they're in a situation where many of them are forced to get comfortable with things like Instacart or, uh, DoorDash or some other delivery service, Peapod or something to bring them at the very least the essentials, right? The groceries, because they're clearly the high risk, um, population is the older population. Um, so now they're kind of being forced to, you know, dive into some of these, you know, these amazing services. Um, you know, that we've all been utilizing and those services are growing. I think he, he threw out some stats saying, uh, and even just e-commerce in general, where e-commerce is generally like 12 to 15% of just commerce in general. Um, this year they're projecting it to be 25% as of right now. So they're saying it's going to jump 10 points because of what's happening right now. Um, which is completely going to change how to your point of, do we need brick and mortar offices? Like, do we need brick and mortar stores? Mm. Like it's going to really change the landscape. I think we all know that things are not going to be the same after this. A lot of things are going to be affected. A lot of things will change. A lot of things won't go back to the way they were. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, of course I've had all these plans to like do these different types of content and things that I've sort of been 
passionate about like the business 5,000 and all these things and a lot of monkey wrenches thrown into the mix from COVID because I've been spending a lot of time sort of going back to my roots and just helping a lot of friends that I know that own businesses in my local area, you know, just spending time, like talking to them, like, where's the opportunity for your, your business now that, you know, there's things that, um, that things have changed. Right. So I have a lot of friends that, uh, you know, own, they have their own like personal fitness places, yoga, uh, you know, smaller gyms, like specialized gyms, you know, things like that. And they're all moving to these, to the online platforms now. And it's amazing you know, at first it's like the shock, like, oh my God, we have to close our doors. And then it's, what am I going to do about this? Then they kind of figure out that there's a trend happening where people are going to Zoom and YouTube Live, Instagram Live, all this stuff. And they can, there's, they're, they're figuring out, well, I can actually charge for this stuff. And, you know, this is like the membership model of digital products that you and I and people probably listening to this have been exposed to for for. probably a decade now at this point, right? Like I go to buy information or access to something that this one individual is putting out on their website. Um, And I was just talking to one of the girls yesterday and she's like, it's so crazy. She's like, now I'm getting people, you know, she has a couple, she's one of the larger, like uh, it's actually called boutique fitness. It's a boutique fitness place. And, and uh, one of the larger ones in our area, she's like, it's crazy. Like now people are buying my online lessons from, from Boston you know, and people are signing up from, from the Boston yeah. market. And, you know, that's not, and it's like, yeah, like this Brands is the, market, the right? yeah, like this is the opportunity of the internet. But now small businesses are going to be forced to understand what you and I understand that mm-hmm. it means highly competitive. It means that now you are in a pool of thousands of people yep. for them to choose from. You and you have, out, right? yeah, now you have to have a good website. You have to have good speed, performance, efficiency, call to actions, and the whole ball uh, starts to move for them. So, you know, hopefully, uh, people can survive, uh, through this. Yeah, I think the gym, the gym side of it, um, is a, is a really good example. Um, you know, I, I, I go to CrossFit, you know, that I CrossFit cause I do. Um, and you know, of course our gym Cause your closed. Facebook tells me, <laughs> you know, someone CrossFit will tell you, <laughs> um, but obviously the gym's closed. And so they've pivoted and now they're doing, um, zoom, like many, many people out there and three times a day, they'll have an instructor on, um, to go through the workout and go through the warm up and basically cheer you on. And it's just kind of, you know, enforcing that group mentality of working out, which is many, uh, a big part of the reason I think a lot of us go to the gym or do these group classes is that group mentality that kind of helps push you a little bit more than if you're on your own. Um, and also, so it's, you know, they're trying to figure out how to continue to add value to people that want to help, you know, want to support them. Like, I don't want to cancel my membership. It's, I don't want, I want my gym to be there after this is all over. Um, so now they're figuring out ways, like you said, to go online, pivot online, provide value. So, um, that, you know, hopefully people will continue to support and not cancel their memberships. And my wife's the same way. She goes to, she does like yoga and bar and Pilates and same thing. They're, they've all shifted online. They weren't doing anything online prior to this. Now they are, you can buy class credits, you can sign up for the classes, they're doing Zooms every single day and it's, and it's working. Um, you know, they're figuring it out as they go, but it's, you know, by and large, it's working and I'm sure they've saved some of their client base. I'm sure some people canceled, but they saved some of their client base by doing this. So, you know, at, like you said, as we know, there are a ton of opportunities online. Um, our favorite place, to, one of our favorite little local places to eat, little sandwich shop, we always go for lunch. Um, 
this forced them to start doing delivery. <laughs> so we've been going there for like 10 years and there is no delivery option. Now they've, um, I, I can't remember if it's DoorDash or somebody else, but now they partner with a delivery service and our favorite place delivers now, you know, cause it kind of forced them to say, Hey, we got to figure this out. You know, not yeah. everyone's going to do curbside. Um, and there's great services to do that. So I think that is absolutely a, a bit of a silver lining is it's, you know, it's, it's kind of pushing some of these smaller businesses to, to, to understand the technology and the services and things that are out there that really aren't that hard to integrate with, you know, right. they're there. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly interested to see how this has an impact on, on restaurants and how the market shifts. Like when you think about, you know, well, what's the opportunity now? How will restaurants survive? And let's say that, you know, let's say restaurants would have to go, uh, you know, smaller restaurants anyway, would have to go delivery for the next year. Let's say, let's just say it becomes a permanent fixture, right? In, in, in the restaurant's life cycle, you start to, you know, when you look at it from a, from a 50,000 foot view, you start thinking, well, maybe we don't need in-person restaurants anymore. And maybe that restaurant owners all come together in like a shared kitchen and this drives costs down for them. There's no more real estate, you know, expensive real estate rent. There's no overhead of large staff. And maybe if a dozen restaurateurs came together and said, we're just going to cook out of this one centralized kitchen and deliver, well, now cost of that, of those goods come way down, hopefully. And now you're living in a world where you can get these sort of, I don't know, I'll just five-star, you know, meals you know, delivered to your door because this is the new model. But you know that the market is going to say, well, God damn, I can't be just eating at my house all the time <laughs> when reality sets back in. Now an in-person restaurant experience is going to be much more valued, right? Because my oh, God, I just, want to get, I just want to get out of this house yep. and I want to have a good meal. And so what does that look like, you know, in the competitive landscape? Mm -hmm. All of these restaurants that unfortunately have to close down, now there's, now there's fewer inventory out there for you to go to as a consumer. And now you're really going to be like, boy, I, I want to go to a, to a restaurant that has, uh, that has, you know, singing waiters. I don't know what it is like, or, or a movie constantly playing like this, like the experience now is going to have to be heightened because now people are going to race to go out to these restaurants and the restaurants are going to win when they have the best experience, not even the best food at this point, right? It's the best experience because we've been locked in to our rooms for months. Yeah. You know, and you, you really start to think about how that impacts the business. And you look at like Uber Eats. So I mentored a, a startup in, in my local area through the accelerator. Uh, they're called uh, Got Chew. Got G-O-T, Chew, C-H-E-W. Like we got you, we got you to, we got you to deliver. And they found like this turnkey delivery software that literally anybody, you and I, could just go buy. It's like the C panel of Uber Eats right? You can go buy this software and it has the whole infrastructure for connecting up restaurant menus to delivery services. It does all the mapping, the logistics, the whole web presence. They just buy a license, just like you buy shared hosting and you install WordPress. It's the same thing for like an Uber Eats alternative. And I mean, obviously business is booming for them. They've been doing it for, for years now since I coached them three years ago. But the whole point was don't do business with the Ubers. Do business with a local tech person, right? Because you know I'm big on the blue-collar digital worker. 
right? Don't go and buy this service and, you know, your local pizza joint. Don't go to Uber because they don't really give a shit about you or the workers. Work with somebody local. It's a tech, that's a local tech feeling. Um, you know, and, and business is booming for them, right? Because that's what they can stake their claim in right now. They can say, we're local, we're hiring local people, we care about the community. Um, and this whole, you know, deliver delivery thing is, is, is huge because now it's like, Hey, maybe this whole disruption is because, well, unfortunately people were lazy. They didn't want to invest in that. They didn't see the need in it. Now you're forced to, it's like, Oh God, we'll hire a delivery person now. Ah, now you'll work it into your model. So I don't know. Well, and I think a lot of restaurants didn't just assume that was the only option is to have your own delivery staff. Right. Um, didn't realize if, whether you're using a, a larger service or, or, or more local one that, you know, generally it's not a, it's not a big lift to, to integrate something like that um, right. or even use a system like that. Maybe it's just as simple as having a, a separate iPad, you know, next to your cash register that dings when well, the order comes in. And that's exactly you know. how this, how got you works yeah. is they have, they have to go in, they give them a, a special printer, right. And it prints out. And so all they know like, boom, an order came in, grab it. Yeah get it ready and a, and a driver's on their way in 10 minutes or something. Right. Right. So it's not this massive, like, you know, everything has to be flipped upside down to start offering delivery service or you have to have a full time, you know, delivery person on right. staff, you know, right. Much, much lighter weight for stuff like that. So, yeah. You know, another, I guess another positive that's really that at least that I've noticed and, and really have been enjoying is, um, and I would imagine you, you as well with, you know, being a, a really big content creator is the content. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, people are getting extremely creative out there um, with content. I think some of it is is maybe out of boredom and and just trying to you know keep <laughs> keep busy or or maybe even digging into some you know doing it as a hobby and they just haven't had time or or whatever that looks like. But and whether it's like celebrities doing stuff or even just you know people like us, like it's been it's been pretty fun to see like the the different types of just interesting content that people are releasing, whether it's live stuff or pre recorded. I mean, I watched randomly was on Instagram a few, I don't know, a week or two ago. And, um, RZA, you know, I'm a, a Wu-Tang fan. RZA of the Wu-Tang was doing a live, you know, battle against DJ premier. And, and there was over 200,000 people watching that live on Instagram. And I'm like, there's, it was awesome. It was fun to watch. And, but I'm like pre, you know, COVID I'd be surprised if, you know, 20,000 people were watching it live. Right. You know, like the right. like two hundred thousand people watching this thing live at the just the, the happened to be that that when I joined the numbers could have been higher or lower before but I was like that's a massive audience right there you know yeah I mean people. I could tell you that my tiny uh, WordPress tutorial YouTube channel has nearly tripled in ad revenue from the time watched wow. right and. You know, I don't know if it's just the algorithm thing or it's just uh, now people are learning, uh, want to learn how to build websites since they're sitting home now. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting, though. I know it's not going to it's it's sort of certainly going to plateau. The other thing, which I openly joked about on Twitter before is, you know, you watch like a John Oliver or something like that. Uh, you know, I used to, you know, it would be in studio and you know, sort of high production or whatever, semi high production for John Oliver. But um 
it's funny now, now that everyone's using Zoom. It's like, well, yeah. welcome to my world of, you know, of, of production value, right? <laughs> or mm-hmm. production budget. Now you all have the same production budget as me because you can only do so much, uh, you know, with an, a simple internet connection and, and a yeah. camera. And if you didn't uh, have some of that equipment, you know, pre-pandemic, it's very hard right? to get some of that stuff it's now. It's very hard to get now. It's <laughs> everybody wants it. Yeah, it's hilarious. So many people, again, in my local market are like, hey, you know, uh, I helped this woman who runs a traditional magazine. It's a quarterly magazine that she prints. And she's like, I'm finally going to do that podcast thing. You know, what, what can you recommend? So I just went to Amazon. I'm like, I can't even, they're all sold out. All you sold can't out, even yeah. get a microphone, you know? Nope. So, you know, I don't want to be that guy who's like, I told you so, but I told you so. You should have started <laughs> doing this stuff, you know, years ago. Uh, and interesting to say, I, I, it kind of levels the playing field a bit, right? Because whether it's us or right. local news anchor or Stephen Colbert, you know, like we're all in our houses, right? And we're all, yeah. we're all recording and, and doing video or live streams. Um, I'm very fascinated with what's behind everybody and what room they're in. And my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I'm always commenting on like, it seems like about 90% of the people out there have a bookcase behind them. Speaking um, of behind you. Yeah. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of working from home when you're kid walking in. What's up, buddy? Um, I, I think, it, you know, it's hilarious because it's, it's, you know, I always watch these celebrities like, let's see what kind of modest view they'll give us of their home these days. And it's just like, you know, like half a bookshelf, you know, behind them. And it's like, dude, you know that you have like this gd palace that you don't want to show behind yeah. you yeah, uh, i think that the celebrities in the you know people with money try to tone it down a bit <laughs> yeah the people that are kind of like just you know average even the people you see on like the local news you can be like oh they're in like you can kind of tell they're in some like kind of basic condo but they're trying to right. really like make it look a lot better behind them yeah yeah uh, uh my wife generally watches um oh god uh Oh, well, why am I forgetting this? Not Good Morning America, Today Show, right? So Al Roker, right? You know, does the weather and it's just like, you know, you know, he's out there in, in probably uh, Jersey somewhere in a sweet, you know, $2 million, $2 million home. And uh, it started when he first started doing it from home, you know, it was, he was like in one room with like poor lighting, but now he's got like a 27 inch like iMac screen behind him. And, you know, they're doing the lighting. I would love to be a fly on the wall of like a publicist or like, you know, somebody who's like, okay, here's how you have to do the angle. This is what you should do. So yeah. you don't look so rich. <laughs> you got to tone it down, man. Get, get move those Emmys. What are they doing behind you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I watch. there's, there's a number of people like, uh, you know, on the new, on news they'll bring in and they're just whatever strategy people. And, um, this one guy I keep watching on CNN and like every day, his background slightly different. Like he keeps, like changing it and trying to modify it and i think trying to make it look better like initially he was just in front of a white wall and i'm like come on man and then like a couple days later there's a bookcase but it's pretty bare (laughs) right 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 like every day i feel like he's adding more books to it or adding more stuff and it's like really filled out and now he's moved his camera angle and i'm like this guy literally changes his view every single day and my wife's like why are you so obsessed with this guy i was like i don't why does he keep changing it like just yeah pick something yeah. and stick with it. And every day it's a little bit different. And I'm like, I'm, I, this shows how long I've, you know, day 50, right? Like right. <laughs> fascinated <laughs> this by this random guy yeah. on CNN and his background, not even what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, it is interesting to see. And honestly, I, in, in some aspects, I kind of like it. Like on the news, I kind of feel like it's a little more personal. Clearly it's more right. personal than our house, but it, I don't know something about it. I feel more of a connection to 
to the, the local news anchors and stuff when they're in their house and kind of telling us what's what. And I don't know why, but it feels, I always feel like they're trying to over polish it when they're doing the big news stuff. And um, it kind of brings it down to just actually what you're talking about. Right. And less about the crazy graphics that you have and yeah. the crazy shit going on behind you or the desk you're sitting behind. It's like, it's, it's all about the content. What are you actually trying to tell me? Cause that's really all you can do at this point. There's nothing really flashy about, your house. I think the best setup I saw is someone was in front of their TV and had like the news logo on it, right? Like, okay, that's cool, but it didn't do anything. Well, you think about, I mean, this is what I was uh, sort of getting at, you know, before is like, what is truly needed? Like when you get this massive reset, which, you know, I, you know, I, it is not probably as drastic as, as I'm, I'm making it sound as drastic as it is. I mean, it, you know, when you think back to, let's say the early days of advertising, right. Or, you know, consumer products. I mean, what did a box of cereal look like if it even existed in like the early 1900s? It was probably just a cardboard freaking box. It said cereal on it, right. Oats probably. and <laughs> you just went to the store and you bought it. I mean, and then oops. what started to happen is right. Like consumerism, capitalism, and then it's like more competition, more people. So then it slowly turns to, Oh, like it's, it's Cheerios. And how are we going to put Cheerios on a shelf, uh, both in the same, you know, Brown box next to each other. How do we push Cheerios? Make the box yellow. Okay. That's a great idea. People now see this yellow. So it's like you, you start to, and then you compound that over a hundred a little, little B guy, a little logo guy. Right. And then, right. You and then you put a toy in there to really entice them to. <laughs> right. And then you compound that effect over 150 years or whatever. And it's like, you look at the cereals that you have, you look at what's going into it. You look at the marketing budget, you look at how that all raises the cost to the consumer. And then this happens and you're like, well, do I need to spend $5 on this box of cereal because of all the overhead it took to, it didn't cost you anything to make this crap, but you spent mm -hmm. all this money on advertising and, and deals and promotions. And now it cost me the consumer $5. I just want to buy a box of cereal. I don't care what yeah. the box looks like. I was thinking right? about that with Doritos. I'm like, this is a chip. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a bag of chips and they have like massively long Super Bowl commercials. And right you know, sponsor all these major sporting events and have these huge trucks you see on the road. And I'm like, it's a potato chip. Like it's, it's a chip. It's a good chip. But I'm like, you're right. Cause all that. And that's why a bag of Doritos costs like three or four bucks for like a little bag. Right. So, you know, how does this, you know, how does this back to the important, the meat of it, right? The content is yeah. important, not all the flash around it. Cause it's just unnecessary. Right. And now imagine like a, a, a distribution company. I mean, that's all like controlled and, and, and regulated, but you know, and, and for, you know, whatever, maybe for good reason, I don't know, but they always had an outlet to push product because they would go to the stores and they would force the stores to do things. They make deals with the stores to do end caps and promos and yada, yada, yada. Well, maybe a shakeup like this, you know, beer, for instance, right. It's just like, it's such a hugely, hugely, it's almost mafia level, right. The distribution of alcohol, of who can and can't deliver to stores, who can distribute alcohol. Um, I mean, maybe things get shook up and it's like, you know, all of a sudden the distributors have to, have to survive. And they're like, well, maybe we'll just go direct to consumer right here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like the stores are going to go, no, no. Oh, but we can undercut by 40% and bring yeah. it right to the customer. It's like, where is the customer getting screwed here? 
yeah. Like, that's the way I look. More at people it. in the middle, <laughs> you know? right? And that's if right. you you know in in a different um, vertical. But look at Tesla. That's one of the reasons you know one of the reasons they're trying to really keep their costs low is by selling directly to the consumer. Um, oh. And they've had a lot of challenges with that in certain states because of you know how tightly the dealerships are a part of that kind of um, you know that chain. You know, the manufacturer creates a car, goes to the dealership, de- dealership does the sale. Tesla cut out the middleman and said, we'll just sell them ourselves. Sure. And of course, a lot of states, <laughs> a lot of companies did not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, oh my God, look at the cost of, of, of oil and gas. And um, although, I mean, it's not super cheap. I think I went for the first time, literally for the first time since lockdown, just to do something. I went. And brought the boys because my wife was working yesterday and just went to go get gas. <laughs> and then we went to go pick up donuts. And then we went to a park ne- ne- nearby and we just ran around outside for a little while. And um, I think it was like a dollars, I want to say a dollars 60 something. It's just cheap, obviously. I mean, yeah, I'm, I've but, seen pictures of it under a dollar in some places. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Because nobody needs it. <laughs> right. Going anywhere. Right. I mean, damn, those, I mean, electric cars make sense now, don't they? But. You know, of course, the American consumer is just going to say, well, but look how cheap gas is. I can buy that SUV I always wanted. There's a lot of deals out there right now, that's for sure. People are just trying to, <laughs> people aren't out there spending money. So companies are trying yep. to do whatever they can to to stay afloat. It's definitely some, uh, it's weird times. It's not, it's not a time we'll forget. That's for sure. I saw, I saw online and somebody was tweeting and it got a lot of traction, which caught my eye, but they tweeted like, you know, 9-11 and and this are kind of the two really big events that have happened for in many of our lifetimes. Right. And they're asking like, what is the third one? What's the third one that stands out? And it got me thinking because people are just throwing out all sorts of stuff like OJ Simpson trial and this, you know, and I'm just like, you know, you think about nine 11, you think about what's happening right now. Like these are, these are situations where everything after it changes, right? Like this, this will absolutely change how we live you know, just like nine eleven changed how we live, how we travel, especially, yeah. you know, some of our security versus privacy type stuff. Um, you know, these were game changers and we don't know what's on the other side of this because we're still right in the middle of it, but it, we can all agree that it's never going to go back to exactly the way it was. You know, some things are going to change. And I thought it was an interesting question. And the one that stood out for me, um, and I'd be curious what your answer is, but the, the, the one that stood out for me is number three was Columbine because that happened when I was in high school and that yeah. completely changed the school experience. Um, after that, everything changed at, at school. You know, all the doors were locked except for one metal detectors everywhere. Cops, you know, always, always police officers at school from that point on at every grade level, not just high school, at least in my area. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I do. Yeah. Now that you say that it comes back to memory, I don't have, uh, vivid, I, but now that you bring it back up, yeah, I, I mean, I do remember how things changed. It just, it didn't stick with me to be, you know, such a forefront. Um, yeah, I mean, I am super curious on it's just everything, like the impact of of travel, the cost of travel, um, you know, the security stuff. I mean. Th- this is, and, and I've seen people talk about it. I, I haven't read in, into it at all. Uh, I don't know what's being said about it, but certainly privacy uh, moving forward now, because you know you can imagine a world now where you're not uh, you're not going in and 
without getting a temperature reading, right? This yeah. whole tracking thing in, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of... A, consp- that's very much likely to to happen on, yeah. on especially airline travel where you yeah, go I mean, into a scanner like we do now and get completely scanned. There'll probably be another one where you get, you know, and I've, they're doing this over and over and I think Japan now testing them out where you get fully like a full diagnostic <laughs> scan of you. Right. Make right. sure you don't have a temperature. It disinfects you. Like it does all this stuff that you have to walk through to go yeah. um, into the airport. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, the third, uh, the first other, the other one that came to my mind was, the uh well the housing the financial crisis like that that's still very clear you know in in my head you know as well but uh it it, what's funny is like i feel like this one was much more uh i don't know what the word is precise or or instant (laughs) you know it just happened literally instantly where the the stock stock market crashed and, and people had already been projecting the funny thing is is like the back half of 2019, everyone started, like you started to hear everyone say, there's going to be another, there's going to be another burst. When is it going to happen? Where is it going to happen? Are you prepared? Yada, yada, yada. There's all like this, you know, I heard just a lot of people like warning about it. Um, And then instantly this sort of happened, but I don't know, like uh, today I overheard like 10 million people are going to be unemployed now in the U S and maybe it's because in, in, our particular sector of web and technology, like I'm not feeling it. So I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel as critical as that housing financial crisis felt, but maybe it just literally hasn't caught up to us yet. I think that's part of it, right? Like it hasn't caught up in the, in the space that we're in, at least in the area that I'm in as an agency, um, which overlaps a lot of what you do because agencies work with hosts and vice versa. Um, you know, traditionally, and I've been talking to a lot of friends, obviously, that have similar companies and, and that have been around for longer than I have. Um, but traditionally, it's, you know, agencies, when, some, when, there's, when there's a riff like this, I think in 2008 was similar. That's when I started my company. So I didn't have a lot of, you know, long-term experience from that point. But um, it's usually a lag, right, of three to six months because we're, you know, you're actively working on stuff, right? So unless, you know, projects are, are the, they pull the plug on a project that you're in the middle of, which unless things are dire, you're probably not going to do that. Um, then, you know, you're not going to feel it. What you're going to feel it is bringing in some of those new clients and the right. new projects. And that's again, usually three to six months out because you're wrapping up your current engagements. Um, so it's hard to tell, but you know, to your point earlier about, you know, being in technology and how there's so many opportunities, I really look at that as, you know, what I'm really holding on to because I truly believe it. And I think a lot of us out there do that, you know, while yes, it's a terrible situation that we're in, there's so many more, there's so many opportunities for people to go online, really expand their presence, expand their services, use, you know, work on their sites, grow what they're doing, maybe change how they're doing online. And that's where we come into play, you know, yeah. we being me and you, right. So in the companies um, that we work at, so you know, I'm hopeful that that is, that is the case and they'll still be, you know, so far, like you said, we're not, you know, knock on wood, we haven't felt a big impact either, but I'm not taking it for granted by any means. I'm preparing for the worst. Yeah, you for see, the best. right. You see, you know, here, here's an example. So we've talked about this on the show before. Like I've been waiting for like the new iPad. When's the new iPad going to come out? And I, I want the latest and greatest iPad, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about it before. So the new one came out. I think it was a month ago. I think it was like during the midst of all this stuff. I, I can't remember how, how recent it was, but not much of a change. So I was like, oh, cool. So, you know, probably another year to a good one. Maybe I'll buy the 2018 model from last year. Apple sells refurbished iPads right direct from their site. I'll get one directly from them. And I remember like first, like as soon as it came out, it was like a two weeks after that Apple, and I was waiting for the 2018s to go into the refurb store. I don't think they were there yet or the prices weren't as low yet or something like that. So then two weeks go by, the new iPad comes out. I go to the refurb store and I saw the entry level 11 inch pro for 549, lowest price it's ever been. Refurbed, obviously. So of course me, I'm like, oh, let me do a little bit more research. Just a couple more things I want to look at just to make sure before I, you know, I, I pull the trigger <laughs> on that. Maybe, maybe I can get a better deal. So it was like a day, literally. You go back to the store, you can't even get a refurbed iPad right now from Apple. They're all sold out. Everyone's buying iPads because everyone's home. Everything. home. And what, you know, hey, it's great. It's like everyone's just blowing their reserve money now on iPads. But what happens in the true financial collapse? That stimulus money. Yeah. <laughs> a, a year from now, you'll probably have more iPads you can shake a stick at because nobody's going to be spending their money because they blew it all at the beginning of this crisis. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm just interested to see how the market responds. No, no podcast microphones, no iPads, right? Bread makers is literally the number two thing that's sold on Amazon, right? I mean, this is all fine and dandy now because everybody's home and enjoying their savings account, you know, yeah. but if 10 million people are not back to work in a year's time, you're not going to be seeing iPad sales. No, I mean, you know, and, and it may not just be, it, it, it may very well be even schools. Um, my sister's a teacher True. and, yep. um, you know, they obviously shut down the school and they told the teachers that this is, you're going to use the system and you're going to have to upload lessons. And she's like, I don't have a computer. She, her husband has, they have a laptop they share, but it's his work computer. And now he's working at home. So he's on it all day long. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't have a computer. And she's going online trying to find something. And, and she's like, can I, is there a computer I can take from school or, you know, like, how can I get And they're trying to order one, but everything's like you said, like back ordered. And I think it took two or three weeks for her to get an actual computer. Um, ordered and actually get it to her house where she could start doing this. But it's, it was that kind of rush of, you know, the, the schools weren't ready that the teachers weren't equipped. Um, and then the school's like, okay, teachers go do this. And if they didn't have what they needed, they had to rush out there and like buy it, you know, and whether the school paid for it or not, in many cases they didn't, um, they had to get it, you know? So it's hard to say, but it might, yeah, I'm sure it's a little bit of, of all that, right? Like, getting some devices because you're bored, getting some devices to keep your kids busy or getting them, you know, uh, some e-learning or, or even for yourself or for your work, you know, because many, many people use a computer at work all day long and maybe they don't have a computer at home or don't have one that would be able to be capable of what they do at work, you know, yeah. maybe it's just yeah. one for surfing the web or something. So um, crazy, man, crazy times. How's that? How's your workout routine going these days? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen a lot let of just, let me just laugh into the microphone <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of posts about any long I, walks lately I haven't done anything I can't do anything I haven't done anything you know it's just it is really you know impacted uh impacted that that routine you know just the sheer exhaustion 
Yeah, well, you have uh, three little ones, so I'm of everything else. <laughs> I don't know that that level of chaos. Yeah, <laughs> the particular one. the particular challenge will certainly you know I used to do walks with them a lot, but I don't have a three you know a three kid stroller, and I refuse to get one. I think I when I looked last time they were a thousand dollars, so it's just like no, I'm not going to get that. So. Uh, that'll be the tricky part is, you know, maybe bringing the older ones out while the younger ones at home and got like strap one on your back, strap one on the front, you know, attempt to do that. But, um, you know, it's hard anyways. Like I'm, like I said, I need to be held accountable. I need to go somewhere. And once I'm there, obviously I'm going to do the workout. I'm going to be all in. Um, yeah. but I have struggled with any type of routine at home. Um, you know, I, and I don't know necessarily why um i'm getting in about maybe two workouts a week and i feel pretty proud about that but i mean it's just like i should literally be i could be working out every single day and i'm not um and i don't necessarily have all the equipment i'd like but it's an excuse you can work out with no equipment right so um it's just i don't know what it is but i've and i I feel like maybe a lot of people are in this position it's just been like i don't know if it's a mentality thing or just the situation or just being lazy slug <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> I got it I'm trying to get back into like the at least the routine I had of the days and times that I would go like okay well I'll do the exact same routine here I'll just work out here at those days and times and I'm slowly starting to get a little bit into it but it's a struggle man it's a struggle yeah the um I'm like you like I need to like I need to go somewhere and able to turn on whatever it is and, and for work and like creativity, like it's been hard. Like I, I do have my own, you know, office space up here in the attic, you know, but the routine of leaving the house in the morning, you know, going to the coffee shop or the, or the, or the remote workspace, uh, uh, co-working space, it's just that, that trigger. Right. It's just that, that action that turns into a trigger and it's like, okay, you go, you leave, you sit down at a coffee shop or somewhere else and you begin that work, right? Or you begin that creative, whatever, like writing up something or doing some research on something. And that, you know, that's like a huge hit. And that's the same thing with the workout stuff. Um, like I need to go to a place that's just like away from, you know, mm-hmm. away from here. And I have a couple of kettlebells. Yeah. I have some exercise bands and, you know, whatever. Like I started to get some, some of that stuff in, but I lose it after a few weeks. I'm just like, I can't find that separation. It's hard. Yeah. And I think I've seen so many people and I, I, I agree with this, right? Like while we're home all the time and it's easy to say, yeah, this is all those things you've always wanted to do. Now you have the time, but it's, this is not, a normal situation. And I think I can, I keep reminding myself that like, it's not normal. So if, if I'm a slug today and there's a project I've been trying to get to, that's okay. You know, right. or I'm doing my best with the workouts. I'm going to continue to to push myself and hopefully get back in a better routine. But I fully expect when this is all over and I go back to the gym, I'm going to be, I'm going to be behind where I was at mm-hmm. when this started, you know, and I'm and and I think that's okay. I just need to, and that'll be when I really say, all right, now we're back. Let's get it, let's get it going again. And let's really get back to a, a good routine. Um, yeah. And I'll keep trying my best while I'm here. But I think that's, I do agree with that. I think it's important to remember that these aren't normal times. So right, right. if you're not the most productive you've ever been, or if you don't get to all those projects you've been sitting on, it's, it's okay. There's just a lot going on right now. It's a lot to kind of take in and it's not a normal situation, even though we are at home and we do have some of that time. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're going to be extra productive because of that. 
I know one thing that has a major impact on your life. I was listening to a discussion the other day on the Recode Media podcast hosted by Peter Kafka, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to about the broader strokes of uh, the big media world. And um, man, all of these content places, Netflix, HBO, they can't make content. And we are going to run out of content <laughs> at some point. Well, I got a good backlog, so that might not be the worst thing. <laughs> You're right. I, nobody's making anything right now. Like all I mean, of imagine our favorite the shows are not recording. And imagine you know, the movies, right? The, the I movies, mean, the shows, it's all stopped. Yeah, and and when we talk about the impact, long term impact of this stuff, I mean, what's the movie theater is going to going to look like in, in six months to a year? Yeah, right? I mean, and I, is we, this going to force them to just release movies to us direct? I think so. I think at least it'll be an option. We um, tro trolls two trolls world world end world's end. I think it's called. We you know came straight to video or straight to on demand. It's twenty bucks. I don't know if you guys watch that or if you're into I trolls. Um, we did and. And one, I wanted to see it. And two, I was like, I want to support the idea, right? So I'm like, $20. We sit at home. We get to watch it. It's cheaper than th if I bought three tickets at the theater. Um, they brought in over $100 million yeah. um, on that movie. And um, so now they're starting to release some of the numbers. The The movie theaters are not happy. And they actually said that they, they made more in three weeks with this digital release than the than the original trolls made in the first five months with the theatrical release, primarily because of um, the chunk that the theaters take um, off the revenue. So theaters aren't happy that they're doing that and considering to continue to do that. And they're talking about doing dual releases when the theaters open back up. But I think that is kind of the new norm where there's going to be that option because it's just, especially with little kids, you know, right. you can pause it, you can take a potty break, you can get snacks, you know, you can stay at home. It's less stressful. Um, so I was very happy to support that. There's more coming. Like I think the Scooby-Doo movie is coming out in like a week yeah. or two. So we're pretty excited about that. Again, it'll be $20. I'll gladly pay it to watch a brand new movie that I know my son's going to enjoy. And that, I think that industry is going to change significantly. And I do, to your point of having good experiences, I still do love going to movies for certain, you know, really big, like movies I'm really into or, or, or movies I feel like you need to be at a theater to see. Um, so I, I, I certainly hope that doesn't go away, but I do think it's going to change. Yeah. Uh, I hate the word interesting, but it, it will be interesting, uh, for how, uh, how all of this changes the landscape of so many mm -hmm. different, uh, yep. industries. it will be, we'll look back and tell our kids. Yeah. I remember when you're stuck at home, like my son doesn't totally get it. I'm sure your kids may be no. probably a little bit young. Yeah. You know, they understand. He understands we're staying home. Right. But not, we're not getting too detailed on why other than we don't, you know, we want to stay home so we don't get sick and keep people safe. So, yeah. Yeah. I brought them when I brought them to the park yesterday. Um, it's at a local uh, community college. You have like these two big soccer fields and we were playing. It's like, you know, and there's like a pond, there's like, like a pathway that people can walk around. It's pretty nice. And, um, you know, you saw like the, everybody sort of parks away from each other and they sort of all like, you know, enjoy the park. But, um, you know, they were like running out in the field, kicking a couple soccer balls that I brought. And then these other parents, kids, three kids, the same, uh, all about one of their, their youngest was a little bit older than my youngest, but yeah, there's two girls and a boy and they all started playing with each other. And it was sort of just like, eh, boy, <laughs> like, you know, like we haven't, Get away. You know, yeah, we're, you know, what do you do in that so situation? Weird, right. right? Like, yeah. and, and like the parents like looked at me and I looked at them and they were they're like, are you okay with this? And I'm like, ah, yeah, it was like, I guess just 
tell them not to touch each other. I don't know. <laughs> and they were having so much fun uh, with each other, right? They were uh, having a blast. And we like, I had to eventually leave because I had to feed the youngest. And, uh, you know, Brock, my oldest, was just like, I want to play with the girls. And it's just like, oh, God, like, you can't yeah. even do that my anymore. My son's been missing the, we go to the playgrounds a lot, you know, and we're like, they're all closed here. We can go to the yeah. park, which is something. And we've been doing that, but there's no playgrounds. So, right. He's really not happy about that and still continues to ask, even though we keep telling him we can't go. Um, so it's tough for kids, you know, and I they'll look back and they'll probably remember just being at home and having fun with, with mommy and daddy and, um, you know, but, yeah. but beyond that, they probably won't remember too much about it other than it was fun and we stayed at home and they got way more screen time than they should have. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, Those screen yes. time recommendations are definitely out the window. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, what I... Uh, really enjoy my kids don't have iPads. They have fire, uh, fire tablets or whatever the hell yeah. Amazon calls them. You can shut it off remotely. I don't know if you can do that with an iPad. Oh no, I don't. Well, yeah, I, I haven't looked into that, but I have not heard of that. That's yeah. So with Amazon, there's a whole like portal that you can log into. You can see what apps they're using, what time spent on all those apps, mm. total screen time, and I can shut it off remotely. And <laughs> I have been just enjoying that, that little just aspect. I'll be like, wait for the screen. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, it is hilarious. Cause my, my son, my son knows about like when the battery dies, the screen shuts off. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's like, Oh no, we got to charge it. Right. <laughs> And I love it as a dad. And it's just like, it's time to put the iPad away. Yeah. yeah like it's time to put the iPad away. You got to get to bed. Da, da, da. You know, you try, try to kick off the whole routine at night. And he's yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to play one more game, play one more game. And I'll just be sitting there eating my dinner. I'll just log on to Amazon. Like, shut the thing <laughs> off. And I can see him just looking at the iPad and he's like flipping it around. He's like, <laughs> he's like I think the battery died. He's like, yep, the battery's dead. You got to charge it. <laughs> yep. It'll be ready for tomorrow. Yep. That's oh, great. Man, that's like one feature I've been absolutely having a blast with. But that's funny. Hey, it's the random show. It is randomshow.net. Subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Um, yeah. We'll be back uh whenever we decide to be back. <laughs> we'll have to make it a habit. Yeah, this is fun. Interesting times. Uh, we'll look back and listen to this, I'm sure, and refresh on some of the weird things that were going on. Um, Don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail with Anchor. Anchor.fm or just go to randomshow.net. We should have checked, actually, if we got a voicemail. I, I didn't get any notifications, <laughs> but I don't even know what email it goes to it. <laughs> anymore if you leave a voicemail we don't know where it goes but <laughs> if you leave us a voicemail uh send a send us a message on twitter i send know us we a both, wolf, so we know yeah <laughs> we both pay attention to twitter i know that randomshow.net you can find me at matt Medeiros on twitter and i'm williams ba stay safe and we'll see you next time bye